What's going on guys? My name is Aldenero and welcome to episode 2 of my 13 Reasons Why Season 2 review. Jesus Christ, that is gonna be hard to say. I might just stop saying that. Um, apologies that this is like so long after I did episode 1. Um, I still intend on doing the whole thing the whole way through. It's just I started a new job, which is kind of a thing that I say on my channel like every 6 months or something. But um it's hard for me to just figure out like what to do with my downtime and how to um, allocate the downtime that I have according to the series that I want to do and the things that I want to do in my life and things like that. So um, this may be a little bit slower than it was with season one, but I think I did season one like four or five months after season one actually came out on Netflix. So um, either way, hopefully you guys are, are still with me and uh, you're still going to listen or whatever. Um, if not, if people are like not really that interested in it, I may just do an overall review because... Uh, for reasons that I'll get into maybe at the end of the episode, I'm finding this a lot more difficult to do than season one. I, I think there's like a lot going on on the screen in in this season, and I'm just not sure it's translating very well. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of The Last Jedi, the Star Wars movie, which I really did enjoy. But there were times where it was very busy and there was a lot of things going on at once within the movie. And this feels like that they keep adding these extra layers that I don't really think are necessary. Like when you consider the fact that this is a series, this is a, like this, this entire construct of, of the series of 13 Reasons Why, like it didn't even really need a season two, but they've given us season two and it's basically like four seasons worth of material that they're trying to cram into each hour long episode and I don't think every episode was an hour long in season one um, but I've just finished watching season two and it took me three different attempts to watch it and it's not necessarily because I'm not enjoying the show or anything like that it's just it's a, it's very full on and I think you'll see that in the notes that I've taken how there's so many of them it's very all over the place but uh, the episode opens with Hannah and Clay talking and he's trying to figure out like what her being there means is she a projection of his subconscious is she a figment of some kind of survivor's guilt that he's experiencing is she a result of his mental illness that he had or that we learned that he was diagnosed with in season one or is she simply a ghost probably not but we learn a little bit more about that as the episode goes on hannah asks if he doesn't care about her anymore which i think is kind of the that's like baseline evidence that she is really just his guilty conscience eating away at him and that makes sense right like the kids in in this show are supposed to be very young obviously some of them are played by 37 year old males who have a criminal record um but even so, that was about Tony, by the way. But um, even so, like, so they're young characters and they have a lot going on in their lives. And I think when you're young, like particularly in your teens, every bad thing that happens is like such an amplification compared to when you're older. Um, and I think a lot of life events and stuff like that, you deal with a lot better when you're older because you're less intense about everything. You're less emotive about everything. Um, but anyway, I think that, what's going to happen in this season is some kind of mental breakdown from clay and i hope that it's like a, a character act that he gets through all right because I, I think he's actually a pretty good character and um, but clay picks up the photo the, the photo clay picks up the photo from episode one and it's the one that says hannah wasn't the only one and i have to say i was embarrassingly confused by this when i watched episode one um, I thought it was uh, like Jeff and some other girl and I thought that the Hannah wasn't the only one thing was like a 
a weird I don't really know it I, I just didn't really know what I thought about it but um I'm kind of glad that another story is going to unravel in addition to the closure of Hannah um, and her story because I don't want the entire season to just be a case of closing it out for Hannah because I think they could have just done that in season one so it's good that there's something new to focus on but I think um, two episodes in already, they've barely even scratched the surface of that entire plot, and there's supposed to be 13 episodes. I don't know, maybe it's, it's just going a little bit slow or something. Um, but it's interesting uh, to note that this episode is centered around Courtney and her telling her story, which, you know, reveals a secret about her, obviously. She, um, as they say in the LGBT community, she comes out of the closet. And a few seconds ago in the the picture that you're looking at on the screen now um in this scene clay starts to get dressed and hannah is watching him and he like retreats into the closet for fear of her judging him and that's like i mean it's very easy it's very straightforward but it's good symbolism because right before he does that or right after he does that um, Courtney starts talking and there's this little scene where Courtney's dads are implying that she's smitten by a guy named Mikey and Courtney narrates the line and the truth doesn't matter anyway as if to say like they just somehow don't even accept that she's also gay it's it's kind of weird but there's an interesting subplot like if that's the angle that they choose um, it's good because usually that storyline is done in reverse where there's a straight parent that's really anxious about their kid being gay and this is like two gay parents being completely oblivious to their daughter being gay and I don't know why but I, I think that that's kind of interesting I like new angles in tv shows that are not predictable and I think as much as this show is like a very easy show to watch in terms of um, the cinematography and stuff like that it's not predictable um, and that's kind of good about it so we then find out that Bryce has offered his lawyer's services to Zach which is obviously you know he's trying to grease the wheels and get his house in order and get all his ducks in a row and it's just a smart play from the master scumlord villain of this show that he is uh, we see Jessica arriving at the steps of the court I don't think she's going there to testify I think she's just turning up I'm not too sure she may be called to testify and she's not sure yet um, Bryce is there with Chloe and they're eating each other's faces and they have the same kind of masking tape that was used to seal the mouth of the sex doll that was left at her house the night before. And um, she's like so close to exploding, but then she doesn't. She's got that like military precision that you, you see in like the character from Dead Man's Shoes or something like that, where she's just someone that's not going to give up until her master plan comes to fruition. But it doesn't actually seem as though she has a plan, so I'm not really sure. We also get introduced to a new character called Nina, who approaches Jessica in the hallway. They kind of just chit-chat about nothing, really. Um, Clay asks Tyler about Polaroids, um, and if he knows the people who are in the picture, the mysterious picture that says Hannah wasn't the only one. And we learned that they're like two older people who used to go to that school which I guess is going to have huge importance when it comes to the court case because it's going to prove that this school has been negligent before and that there's like there's precedent for all of these things this is not new ground that they're treading over with Hannah um I, I just I'd like to see them delve into this story a little bit more like I feel like they've already laid the foundations for what's to come and they should kind of just start knocking that out I don't know um but we get to see Mr. Porter actually teaching a class and it's very, very weird. <laughs> He's like trying to teach the kids how to control their impulses. And uh, Tyler's sitting next to another new character. I forget his name. It's like Ezron or something mad. I can't remember what it is. Um, but he may be a character 
who is even more of an embarrassment than Tony. And he says to Tyler, talking about like this, Tyler took like a photo, night vision photo of a dog pissing or something like that. And this new kid, Ezron or whatever, goes, punk rock, dude. (laughs) And just that being a thing that a character says out loud just screams, this show has been written by a person who has no grasp on reality. Um, So I enjoyed that. Um, there are a lot of scenes involving Courtney and the defense and the defense is like seriously doing the worst job in the world here I I don't mean like that they're bad at what they're doing but what they're doing is so horrible they're arguing that Hannah tried to take advantage of Courtney because Hannah actually liked her and not the other way around and Courtney absolutely refutes this claim and and kind of paints Hannah in a very positive light Um, which is again like a nice swerve because it makes it seem as though Courtney's going to buckle under the pressure because she wasn't exactly a very good character i mean good in the good versus evil sense in season one like she definitely was willing to to sacrifice things to to protect herself um alex asks clay for the tapes because he wants to piece things together for himself and he wants to help jessica and he wants to bring down the jocks that are ruining his life and stuff like that um clay is really reluctant to give them to him and everyone's kind of just protecting alex from the truth because they know that the truth is what made him try to kill himself um elsewhere sky and clay are having serious problems because he's still haunted by Hannah and I'm I'm really not liking the dialogue between Hannah and Clay but I guess I'm happy that it's not revealing any new information because that's when it crosses into like super lame territory but it is still really lame um I don't I can't explain it because there's a TV show I used to watch called Rescue Me and it's like the first three seat first three seasons of that are literally like my favorite piece of tv ever and there's a character in that called tommy who's played by dennis leary and he has survivor's guilt and he's plagued by um his dead cousin and and like people that he couldn't say he's a firefighter people that he couldn't save people that he watched burn and buildings and stuff like that but it's done really well because tommy is a raging alcoholic so he's not just seeing these visions because he's guilty he's seeing them because of a like a pileup of multiple different things and i feel like this clay thing I don't know, like, it's literally the exact same thing, and I should like it, but I think it's maybe that putting Hannah in there is, like, a whole nother thing, and they're just doing too many things. I hope that makes sense. Um, There's a a moving scene as well with Olivia and her new friend. I can't remember her fucking name. It's, like, Janet or Karen or something. She's the lady who also lost her daughter. Um, And Olivia is, like, facing the challenge of moving on from Hannah, and she stumbles upon the dress that she was wearing when Hannah died, and she knows that she has to wash the blood off, but she doesn't want to, and then later on in the episode, her friend actually goes and does that for her, and she's, like, distraught over it. And these scenes are hard to watch, like... um, a lot of the like this is a very very heavy show and it's weird because it's a show that has cultivated like an extremely young teenage audience and i think like that's a good thing because people should be in touch with with um the realities of mental health struggles from an early age and stuff like that but like these like this is like some harrowing stuff like the trope of the parent that has to move on from the dead kid and doesn't want to move all the stuff out of the room and stuff like that like that's a common trope in things but it's rarely done as like viscerally as it is in this show um and the scene of like the two of them sharing um i don't know it's just it's just just emotional (laughs) um the school i think liberty high um is just an absolute fucking mess of a place uh which like just continues to get worse and worse and there's this scene with jessica and chloe where jess learns that the story gone round about her is like um 
that she's a slut and that she was like she took advantage of Bryce and like all of this stuff and it's just I mean it's it's classic villain angle from Bryce um but they get interrupted by Tyler taking photos and in response to that the school says that Tyler is no longer allowed to photograph female sports and this is like man, like there's a line here so like Tyler is absolutely 100% a creepy weirdo, but with the right guidance, he could absolutely become a functioning member of society and free from his demons. Like, Tyler's the kind of guy who really just needs to read Jordan Peterson's book, and then he'll probably be like, all right. He's like, he could make YouTube videos about what a loser he used to be and stuff like that. Um, But they just keep poking him, like a little bit here and a little bit there. And it's weirdly reminiscent of everything that happened to Hannah, where it was just a complex buildup of like inextricably linked storylines that pushed her over the edge. And I think this show is great at delving into the mental health debate and showing how nuanced it can be. Um, it's it's like it's a hundred percent not a black and white show, and that's I guess what makes it so controversial. Um, but I think it, it like it's controversial that they're taking that angle to Tyler because he is like the prototypical high school shooter here, and they're showing him in both a, a sympathetic light and in like a this guy is an absolute psychopath kind of light, and like that's good. I think more TV shows should do stuff like that because everybody does have a story to tell at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, I guess my point there is that the, this is why people debate over the finer plot lines of the show. Um, and in other news, I completely forgot that Sherry ever existed, but apparently she's back, and she, you know they dedicate like twenty five seconds of on screen time to her talking to Mister Porter, and she's like bitter and unhappy, and uh, that's kind of like the main fucking theme of this series. Uh, Clay comes home from school to find Sky in his kitchen cooking hand rolled pasta with his dad, and it's surreal for clay and he's like visually perplexed but it's also surreal for me as a viewer because she has a better relationship with her dad or sorry she has a better relationship with clay's dad than clay does and that's fucking weird um but there's also another effort to court tyler towards a more ordinary existence when his dad is playing video games with him and tells him that he wants to transfer him to another school and Tyler's like, oh yeah, well I've got a friend in this school, his name is Eldron, or whatever the fuck that guy's name is, and I think what's going to happen there is, actually I'm not even going to say what I think is going to happen, because I, I don't know, well I'm right about, I was right about a lot of stuff in season one, um, I'm just going to leave it out there, and we'll see what happens with that whole thing, but there's this big cloud over Tyler, and he's clearly a marked man, and I don't know, the guy playing him is doing a really good job, that actor, um, Courtney's dad's are trying to understand lesbianism by <laughs> watching the staples of lesbian movie culture uh, from Desert Hearts, which is like seen as the most iconic lesbian movie of all time, to this film called Blue is the Warmest Color, which is actually on Netflix. And it's a French movie about a girl called Adele. And it's like it's a really good coming-of-age movie, but it's really hard to watch because at times it's basically porn. And the idea of her watching that with her two dads is really troubling and I can't figure out why. I think it's because the two of them, from what little screen time they've had so far, we understand that they're kind of awkward and sensitive like guys and they would just freak out while watching some of the scenes in that movie and that would have great comedic value. But um, 
Again, I, I like the subversion of the usual tropes here and stuff like that. Um, and then there's another awkward scene where Sky is basically attempting to give Clay a hand job and they abandon their food in the middle of dinner to go upstairs and have sex. But it's a weird show sometimes. And seeing Clay unable to perform is also just weird. And it's just weird watching this shit and talking about this, to be honest. Um, then we get like this great moment of Tony punching a punching bag as part of his anger management program in accordance with his probation. Like, I assume he's so angry because he's 35 and still has to go to high school. Um, but then there's this tread running through him and his character that he's he's definitely holding a serious secret and he says to Olivia in in as many words he says sometimes people keep secrets just to protect people and that's obviously what he thinks that he's doing so it's going to be interesting to find out what that is um what, whatever that secret is we don't know but um we'll find out obviously as the season goes on um and then Alex the the mysterious sender of things sends something to Alex. It's like an A4 page with a target on it, and there's some bullet holes or you know some some holes in the in the target's head, and it says "Better look next time" in red writing in reference to his suicide. And it's to be honest, it's hilarious that this person is bullying Alex because he doesn't even fucking know who he is. Like he doesn't remember anything. He he hasn't listened to the tapes basically, and um, they're like yo, you better shut the fuck up. It's just going to make him more curious. It's just going to make him need to listen to them more. Um, and then the episode closes with Clay chasing after Sky because they had a fight in his house about the fact that he's not over Hannah yet and she's really upset. And then she goes home. I don't know what she does, but an ambulance is called. She obviously harms herself in some way. Maybe she took something. She overdosed or cut herself, but she's being taken away in an ambulance and Clay arrives and says... I didn't mean to upset her and her mother says she's not upset she's ill um which which again is like is good um good dialogue there and I think it's probably going to be pretty important for Clay to realize that because the last thing the man needs is more guilt but um hopefully Sky turns out to be all right because um she has it pretty bad in the show and um that's sad like hopefully I, I really think that clay should be doing more to ensure that she doesn't end up like hannah but um hey he's also a burdened man so that's the end of the episode um i the, honestly i didn't really enjoy watching this one and i don't know why it's it's the first one first episode of this show that has genuinely felt like a bit of a chore to watch and i think it's because uh number one what i referenced earlier there's so much going on there's so many like subplots built into this storyline now um but at the same time they're not nearly going through them as quickly as you'd like and the narration in every episode is like a staple of the show we had hannah narrating everything in, in like a real broad thematic way in season one so like every obviously every episode was a tape that was about a person and there was a theme running through that person and in this season they're doing the same thing except they have a different person talking about the thing so in episode one it was tyler and he was talking about the atmosphere of the school and the theme is that like people are mean even when they try not to be mean and, and like people can be mean without under like without intentionally being mean and stuff like that and in this one it's about secrets and holding secrets and why it's better to tell the truth and and uh obviously that was punctuated by clay finally telling sky the truth and then she ends up hurting herself and and it's all this like so there's a theme running through everything that that creates these shades of gray but the problem is that there are underlying subplots that don't relate to these themes 
and they can't get those out quickly. So it just feels like a fucking drag. <laughs> like this felt like a drag to watch. It really, really did. I want to know more about this other girl that, you know, that Hannah wasn't the only one. But I feel like I'm going to have to fucking sit through so much more of people making ominous statements that vaguely relate to Bryce. Like they're not nearly getting to the justice um, for Hannah thing quickly enough and they're not even exploring the other thing quickly enough and those are the two main pieces of bait to make you watch this season and it's like I don't know like I don't fucking care about Chloe or Nina or that Ezron guy or whatever like I like I just want to see Bryce get his comeuppance and now that there's a new storyline I'd like to see how that unfolds and so far they haven't done anything to tie the two things together or um put these new characters into those storylines like they haven't weaved it in well enough and uh, i don't really think i explained myself very well there but there's a very obvious inertia um in this show going forward and i hope that season or sorry that episode three is a little bit better than this one so uh, overall i'm giving this one like a five and a half because i had to watch it in three different sittings and um, I still like the show. I still think it's a great show. I still think it's really well done. I just think that they've created a problem for themselves with the writing and it's going to be difficult to watch. But anyways, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. If you did, leave a like or whatever. Um, let me know if you'd rather I just watch the rest of the thing and, and just do a, a review for the whole season in general. Um, or I could even maybe do a podcast with someone else where we talk about the finer plot details. Um, because just recalling it um, like this, I'm... I think it worked very well for season one. I'm not sure it's going to work so well in this season. But anyway, let's see what happens. Um, but do do leave a comment or, or like, you know, tweet me. Fucking whatever. <laughs> I've been Eldon Nero. Thanks for listening.